Hey guys, welcome back to the 429 Podcast. I'm 4. I'm 2. I'm 9. And today we have a really good episode for you. We're going to be talking about the right to privacy um, and pretty much like, you know, who owns your data? Do you own your data? Do companies own your data? Um, you know, when you give up data or you give consent for certain things to happen with it, how long do they retain that control? Right? So there's a, a handful of different topics uh, that are kind of embedded within this. Um, but Essentially, like I said, the right to privacy is who controls your data and what can happen with it after you've given it up. Um, so let's go ahead and we'll take kind of quick, quick ideas on this too. What do you think? When you hear right to privacy, what are your first thoughts? Uh, sucks to say this, but TikTok. Uh, <laughs> right, my thoughts immediately went there. It's like my thoughts never go there. Well, well, my thoughts immediately went there with you know the whole scandal that's been going around with TikTok and everything with the data yeah. issues and data privacy. Of course, other major social media platforms come to mind as well, such as Facebook, right? Yep. So it's like, you know, it really makes you question that. I mean, the stuff you put online can be taken and interpreted in thousands of different ways, right? So it's just a question of, right, do you have the right to that stuff or do you not have the right to that stuff? But more importantly, that stuff you're making public, so obviously that's fine. Yep. But your own private information that you tell these websites or these apps or whatever that you want to keep private, right? And it doesn't stay private and it gets mm-hmm. released, mm-hmm. right? Like, who's liable at the end of the day? Are the companies liable for that? And if the companies are liable for that, why is it that we're only getting like $12 in a class action lawsuit? Like, my data is way more valuable than $12 from a class yeah. action lawsuit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, you know, when I think of uh, privacy, it's totally um, anti-Facebook. That's that's pretty much, and, and and the first thing that comes to my mind is opposite of Facebook. That's that's pretty much our privacy, and uh, you know, a lot of it too said I kind of agree, similar points and stuff. But for me, it even goes a step further. You know, aside from, you know, the information that I give to these companies. In, in a in a bond trust that like hey you don't mm-hmm. share them I even take it a step further than when I think of privacy I think for you agree with me that it's even stuff that are, we don't even uh, voluntarily share that we see out in the public yeah you know like I think the biggest examples are uh, privacy breaches and we get no notification about um, you know uh, public information that we don't want it to be so public, you know, like yeah. that are tied to us as an indiv- as identities, you know, mm-hmm. Th- these are things that I think as an individual, I have a right to retain from the public's eye. Right. Yeah. You know, they may be public records, but I don't want it to be tied to me as an individual. Yeah. And that's the problem. And I should, I think I should have a right to be like, you know what? I don't want my, my public information so easily accessible by people especially so by would social. you say an example of say like if you bought a house right and this is a real thing not many people know about but like for mm-hmm. example like say you bought a house right yeah i know where you're going the, with it the deed and the information of that is public record yeah but it goes it goes on the internet so it's like i could be in sitting in like missouri or something right yeah and just google your name and boom i found out where you live what's your address how much you pay for the house and all of that information so are we referring to that type of data that should remain so- private or are we referring to other types of data? So that's a really good question. So public records exist for one thing, for many reasons, right? They're, they're public accountants of events and purchases, you know. Same thing for, like, uh, you, know, you know, court battles and stuff that you're involved in, right? Mm-hmm. To, to an extent, they should be public, right? Because, you know, these are as much as people don't want to believe 
every time you go in a, you know, a core battle, stuff like that, they're using, you know, they're involved with the public eye, they're involved with, you know, individual stuff like that. Uh, you know, they're using taxpayer money, you know, so it's public records, right? The problem I have realistically is that companies like, uh, you know, Yahoo, Google, right? Mm. They make it so accessible to essentially tie my individual identity to such things, yeah. right? Like, I don't mind if I, if I, for example, buy a house, like you said, and the public records of the dean or stuff like that, or if I go to the, you know, if I'm in a court battle and, you know, you know, a lot of counties cut public records are of like the, you know, if I'm getting sued or I'm suing someone that that's public record of the county. Right. Yeah. I don't mind. That's, you know, you know, you can, you can look it up. The problem I have is how easy it is. If you're, if you already have, you're like an officer or you're someone individual who's in the, you know, the political game or stuff like that. And you want to look into, you know, public records and stuff that should be allowed, but you're, you already have a mindset who you're looking for. It shouldn't yeah. be as easy as typing my name and having all my, you know, what I consider semi-private, you know, semi-records, oh, it's just open out. They make so it too for, easy. So, for since you're moderating this discussion, mm-hmm. right, how do we want to go about this? Do we want to talk about data, like sensitive data that we're using, or do we want to talk about, you know, just general data itself? Or... So, I, I, I want to point out that to me, I think right to privacy encompasses any of your data, right? Anything from something as sensitive to your social security number, from anything, you know, may, maybe even you liking a page on Facebook, right? So I, I think all of those things are encompassed by your right to privacy. And, you know, depending on who you are, you'll have varying degrees of beliefs about which of that should be public and which of that these companies should be able to sell or use advertisement targeting for. Um, so before we get more into that, I, I want to point out why. Uh, privacy is important even for something as simple as you know a page you've liked on Facebook for example right yeah so given you know the amount of influence and pressure that social media can generate right it's very easy for people to kind of influence the decisions of individuals right so if I have the right amount of data on you right I know hey who do you watch right what news do you consume uh, which artists do you like? What products do you use, right? I can kind of get a very good general sense of the type of person you are. I can get a good general sense of what you believe in. But more importantly, I can get a general sense of kind of how to take advantage of those things, right? So let's say that I'm a political candidate and I want to run advertisements that are going to be able to push you towards my campaign or make you agree with me more. With the right set of data, you can do that. You know, let's say that I'm a company and I want to target you with advertisements. I can set up advertisements and different marketing campaigns in a way that I'm targeting you specifically based on the things that you've done and the data that I've collected on you, right? So now, this is me taking advantage of the data of you that's been made public by these other companies, or you know maybe Facebook has sold, or Google has sold, or you know let's say sometimes I mean it's even as extreme as hey I'm a company on my website, um, I'm monitoring everything that you do, every ad you click, every move you make, right? Um, like that that's right? a song that's a song actually so <laughs> there's 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 a lot of stuff that people can't you know don't realize can happen um when even small things like i said the pages you like and the posts you interact with on social media are leaked or kind of sold um and that can even get you know elevated as high to something like uh you know for example your big streamers get swatted all the time you know how does it happen People dox them based on public records typically, right? Their records yeah. are posted online 
and based on a phone number, a name, a general location, right? It's increasingly easy in the modern internet era to find somebody online. And no matter how hard you really try to hide yourself, it is almost impossible because of the amount of data that is naturally made public about people just by doing something as simple as, you know, registering a business, buying a house, filing your taxes, right? So there's a lot that can occur from a little bit of data. And like I said, even your smallest, most innocent seeming data points could be very, very valuable in the grand scheme of things to people who want to influence you. And this is why I think the right to privacy is very important. Um, you know, if you guys want to give your opinions on on that matter, I, that, that'd be cool too. I think a really good thing to mention that you mentioned, like even like small bits of information, right? Is that a lot of people don't realize, like, oh, what if I, what if it's just my name? Like everyone knows my name. When I go out, I just say my name, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't realize that even semi innocent looking bits of information could lead a rabbit hole down to even more deeper yep. connections, right? And I think a lot of people tend to forget that, like, as simple as just an email, I can essentially uh, basically query that email into a bunch of, like, search results and see what I can pick up, right? Yep. And in, in an instance, I'm having a, more, a whole magnitude of more information that I can use to eventually keep picking at mm-hmm. and to get until I get deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. So I, I start with just a name, get to an email then from that email i get to your account you may have posted something that may have seen innocent an assignment of what account but now you just basically basically say where you live and it just goes mm-hmm. down that hole yep. and people don't know this like it, it on the surface it looks so innocent but it can get down real quick and it can go bad and that's how you know you know swat swatting start that's how you know uh doxing begins all oh, it's mm-hmm. it's really dangerous and I'll, the way i really to view this is i think of like the internet like a piece of white clothing right you think of the most whitest shirt right mm-hmm. and and any information you put in there is a stain right on that mm-hmm. nice white shirt sure you can get it out but you're gonna have to use bleach and yeah. some heavy duty bleach right and at that point if you're putting heavy duty bleach you know scrubbing your account checking everything that's a that's a that's a like everyday task. You got to constantly mm-hmm. check your accounts, constantly make sure. And it's just a pain. It's It should be easier right now. But like you said, it just makes it harder and harder for people to protect their privacy and make it easier and easier for people to dox each other. Yeah, you, you know, yeah. yeah, you know, I'm in that same mindset, but I guess my main issue on the right to privacy, I guess, right, if we're talking about data, right? Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm a huge data junkie. Like, I mine data just for fun. Just sit in his arm all the time. Yeah, like, just I just mine data just for fun. It could be the weirdest data, right? Like, I remember a couple years back, we were looking at election data, right, to predict elections and stuff. So it was for fun stuff, right? Yeah, this was Friday night, by the way. Yeah, this was a Friday <laughs> night. Sad to... Yeah, college... Like I said, it wasn't a big party here in college. But, uh... <laughs> but, you know... One thing I find interesting about rights of privacy is with the amount of information that's online, the amount of identity theft also increases. So I'm trying to think like not and it's identity theft that you necessarily may not even get caught with. So prime example of this is someone who had a Facebook account, right? Mm -hmm. Facebook account, right? You happen to figure out what his like other accounts are, what his interests are, hobbies are, whatever it may be, right? Yep. But you find out like this dude died, right? Or mm-hmm. this girl died, whatever happened, right? But all that information is still online. It's still public, yeah. right? Corporations still don't have a way around this because we're still in the relatively young age of big data to 
how do you, how do you handle like a dead person's data, right? True. Yeah. So it's like I've seen some really bad things that people get away with all the time. So social security fraud is actually one of the big ones, where you have a person who's of old age who died, right? Mm-hmm. But right because their accounts are still active and these things are still active. Yeah. You have people who somehow gain access to those accounts. It could be in legal or illegal means, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they go and modify their information, modify it so it looks like it's them. And then when they ask you for proof of identification so that you can go and do other things, you give them those IDs and those accounts and everything, and boom, social security fraud is really done, right? Yep. And other types of fraud and other types of mechanisms follow suit like this. So... When we're talking about rights to privacy, it's a very dangerous thing because it can have severe consequences on not just you now, but like after you die, right? Mm-hmm. Like it could have very severe consequences due to like yeah. estate laws and stuff like that, at least in states, right? So it's very interesting to bring this concept to light and make people realize that the things you post on the internet, you should be very mindful of mm-hmm. because that can be taken in other complete ways. So I that, don't know. That's just my that idea TikTok. That TikTok uh, thing you post can lead to your identity being gone. Could who knows? Easily, you're no Easily. longer Frank. For example, TikTok has no. I can give you a perfect example for that. TikTok. Every TikTok you post is associated with some metadata, right? Mm. So with that metadata, I have the coordinates of where exactly you posted it and the device you posted it on. Boom. Now, as a developer, I know that you posted it in this specific location, and this is the phone that you were using. So now that I know that, hey, you know, Charlie, whatever, right? Charlie posted this TikTok at, you know, 3.55 p.m. And he or she is located in, I don't know, Alabama, Alabama. Mm-hmm. right? Tuscaloosa, Alabama, right? And they posted it during a, a University of Alabama football game, for example, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I have all that information and I'm gathering all that information. And it may seem like trivial information, but now off the top of my hand, I know you're relatively close to Alabama or you flew there for the game. You're a fan of the Alabama football team. This may not be your first time at an Alabama game, so I could probably go through Alabama school records and track you know, how many other times you visited a game like this. You're probably sitting in relatively the same price range for the seating area, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's like, so that gives me an idea of what's the potential you're going to spend on your seats. And I could even narrow that down. There's actually trends and reports written that, you know, if I spend $50 on a seat, you're making X amount of money a year. And now I just track you and figure out how much your income is per year. Yep. And then I could even track and depending on how many other people are on the TikTok, I could figure out, okay, they went with four people. What's a four row of seats, right? So it's like, there's so many ways that that one TikTok can come back and mm-hmm. haunt you in ways you have no idea about. And you know, let's right? think but, about it too, right? They, so you went to an Alabama football game. Okay. I mean, let's say maybe you went to a Giants game, a New York Giants game, or you went to a San Francisco's 49ers game, right? Now, these are different things that might be included in your security trend, your security uh, questions, your passwords, right? So every little bit of data that you post, um, it can all come back to bite you in the butt, right? So a lot of people happen to use things as simple as the football team they like, the type of car they have, right? What they what they're into, their hobbies, their dog's name, their all of favorite these movie, which I yeah. bet you ninety percent of people have liked on Facebook. Exactly. Your mother's maiden name. Yep. yep. Which is public records. Oh. So 
I mean, these are all these are all just you know different ways that your data can come back to you eventually, and and like I said, they just bite you in the butt. So this is why it's very important to be super conscious uh, conscious of what you're doing on the internet and the data that you have floating around, right? So I think this brings a good question: Does it does it fall on the consumer or the corporations to protect this data? As in, should you as the consumer be responsible for monitoring what you put out there? what pages you like, you know, um, actually thoroughly reading different things and, you know, figuring out what you are willing to kind of put out there? Or is it on the companies to, to not sell that data, not use it maliciously, right? And then kind of guarantee your privacy that way. So what do you guys think? Who do you think it kind of falls on? You know, I'm personally in the boat of, you know, it's probably not the most popular opinion, but both. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think the consumer has the responsibility of saying that, okay, I'm signing up for a Gmail account. You know, Google's pretty reputable. Google's pretty safe. Let me give them my name and let me give them my actual name so I can set up an email. Right. Mm -hmm. Normal stuff. I think safe is relative in this, right? Safe is relative. You're absolutely right. Because Google's one Mm -hmm. of your biggest companies in terms of selling data and collecting data. Exactly. And Google makes money off ads. Right. So it's like, but if I'm just sending out my own personal email for my own personal use, you know, it's a little bit of a trade-off here because since I'm using their service and it's a free service, I have to give them some data of mine for them to actually, you know, just do stuff with. So it's a trade-off, right? But if I'm signing up for, you know, some sketchy website that's selling me, you know, I don't know, clothing that I don't necessarily want to put my full name on, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just browsing around for Right or like one of these game uh, like gaming websites and all the time like addicting games I used to play way back in the day right mm-hmm. so it's like why would you use your real name on addicting games or stuff like that when there's no actual benefit for you doing that yeah right so you have to very the consumer needs to be mindful about what information they're putting out there because it can come back and have negative effects on you mm-hmm. now conversely I think corporations should be held liable as well right. But corporations, I think, need to be held at a certain level depending on the data that's been breached or that the data that they're storing. There needs to be some sort of regulate. I won't say regulation, right? But, but I would say there needs to be some sort of, you know, standard of how data is maintained. For example, if I'm giving Google my data, I, as a consumer, am giving Google my data. I trust that Google will be responsible for that data. The second Google breaches that trust in any way, shape, or form, then I have the right, then I'm they're liable at the end of the day, and they should pay out whatever damages mm-hmm. happen to their consumer, right? Yep. That's how it should work. But, for example, when you have companies such as the three big credit bureaus, you know, Equifax, Experian, and I forget the third one. TransUnion. Uh, TransUnion, yeah. right? When, when you give these three credit bureaus your information, I... I don't know where you exactly sign up to give them that information, right? Mm-hmm. These are the three biggest credit bureaus, but for example, I think it was a year or two years ago, Equifax had the biggest breach. Oh, and guess what was lost in that Equifax breach? My social security number, mm-hmm. where you can go and open other accounts in my name or other bank accounts in my name or whatever. I don't have that great of a credit score, so you won't be doing much. But right, conversely, right, you can ha- you can go and open accounts and do stuff under my name. Yeah. And what did we get out of that whole Equifax breach? Three years of identity theft watch? Yeah. Great. 
a credit freeze, which sucks because now I got to unfreeze my credit so that I can go and apply for a credit card and then freeze it again yeah. so that no one else steals my information. Like it's, it's becomes a huge pain for the consumer and it just opened my doors up to identity fraud. And a lot of people don't know this, but those Equifax social security numbers and information, they're posted where on the dark web, on the dark web, from what we learned in our cybersecurity classes, right? And what we've seen in our cybersecurity classes by accessing the dark web, I could buy a batch of 200 social security numbers for $20, Yeah. right? It's like, seriously? Like, it's such a big thing that I don't like how corporations like that get away with it, right? I think, like, Equifax, for example, should have been shut down. That's a big enough data breach that Equifax as a company has proven themselves to not be reliable and they should be shut down because of what had occurred. This is not a safe environment and there should be better standards or precautions taken. And investigations need to take place for that, right? Yeah. Because you yep. caused, I think, I think at one point the statistic was what seventy-five percent of U.S. Uh, U.S. citizens' information's out there because of that breach. Like, but we haven't heard anything about it since. Why? Because it's all just gotten brushed under the rug, and that stuff like that really pisses me off. Because what what can we really do here? I have to go through those credit unions, but why do I have to go through those credit unions? So I want to see some real regulation put on stuff like that, where if you have these agencies that are monitoring credit or I have to deal with in order for me to buy a house or get a car or do anything with credit in the future, I think they should be held to a higher standard, a much higher standard, I would say, than, you know, say Google, for example, when I'm willingly giving my information. Mm -hmm. But those are just my thoughts. Nine, what are you thinking? I think uh, it's, um, you know, it used to be like it should be on the consumer, right? Uh, But I always I always thought also, as you know, time goes on that unfortunately, like you said, especially with like services like Google offers and Apple and stuff like that, there has to be a, a margin of trust. Right. You just you just can't have no trust in these relationships when you give out when you offer their services. Right. Like you said, they ha- you have to know they have to know something about you, right? Maybe a name or email, some information to be shared, some sort of established trust must be established, right? So when I say when when you tell me worship privacy falls on the consumer corporation, I kind of have to agree with you. It has to be on both, right? Mm-hmm. As a consumer, I want the tools, I want the accessibility to be able to shut down things that I think are out start breaching my privacy, right? I want to be able to. Um, be able to go to any corporation that I see that's breaching what I believe is a breach of my privacy and be like, no, that can't be allowed. And I want it gone from public eyes. Right. Yep. As a consumer, I should be able to access that request that easily. And those settings should be easy to find and accessible. Yeah, exactly. It should be, it shouldn't be a, a maze to figure out how to turn off my username or even how to disable my, my real name from being like displayed PlayStation or anyone else. Like it shouldn't be that <laughs> difficult. But at the same time, I know the average user isn't too tech savvy. I've seen it firsthand, yeah. right? And it's not their fault that they're not tech savvy. You know, they have, you know, it's it's, it's not everyone should know it's the a generational e- gap. Yeah, it's not even a generation gap. I see even people within our generation that don't even take this privacy issue yeah. that seriously. And it's not really a matter. It, partly, some of it, I would say they don't care. Partly, it's because some people don't even know the consequences. Partly, is some people. It can't, you know, handle the responsibility. You know, this is kind of like a, a, a heavy duty task. You have to not only just scrape all your information, 
but you have to constantly do so. You don't know that if any day one of the accounts that you thought were perfectly cleared can come up, you know, right alert. You don't know if one privacy breach that you made an account for some dumb site that you made tw uh, like 10 years ago during middle school got breached. And now, you know, now that information is leaked. And that information is tied to like 20 other accounts you made. So now those are breached, right? You got to keep track of these things. I talked to so many family relatives, friends that don't even know the tools that are available to them to essentially protect themselves in this case or be aware of them. There's, there's partly a lack of information of how to protect yourself. And there's partly of it's just more complicated than it should be. So while I think, yes, the consumer should it should fall on them. They should be responsible. I also know the average consumer isn't going to check and browse all their accounts every day. So I also think the corporation should be it. And more of it, I don't think it should be more like the corporation should be helping us out because we know like motivations and stuff like that. They're not always in line with the consumer, right? Mm -hmm. It's just business practice, how it is. Sometimes your their, their motivations, their principles just don't align with the consumers. And you know what? In some cases, that's fair. You know, they're, they have a certain... Uh, you know, a certain goals that they have to reach as a business it doesn't align with an individual. So I can totally see why it shouldn't fall 100% on the corporation. And if you do, you're just going to cause more problems when you're putting that much control on a corporation entity that you trust. Once again, let's go back to the, the issue of trust, the degree of trust. I think it should align with the consumer, but I think a corporation should have, one, make it easier. That should be a standard across every corporation offer any services it should be easy and you should offer a set of certain privacy options for any type of account or service you yep. like it should be a rule that like if i want to take away my full name or have a display it should be an easy accessible option set by standards and the second thing when a breach does happen i think it should be set in stone exactly the consequences of that is i think it shouldn't be such oh your you know privacy is breached uh loss we have we have to do a lawsuit to to get you guys to act. Mm -hmm. I don't think it should be like that. I think, you know, harsh punishment should be set out. I think examples should be made to corporations who have fought through the cracks and have pretty much show that they don't care. I think examples should be made. So while I don't think privacy should fall heavily in the corporations, I definitely think there should be some reform in that aspect. I definitely think there should be standards set in place for the consumer, for them to use their tools properly. And of course, there's going to have to be a public education on this, right? The public, an average person should know what should be available to them, how to work through these privacy uh, issues, and what they can do if a case like that happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are well, all what those are your thoughts? good points. So I, I tend to think that you were pretty much kind of correct uh, in your assessment that it's a two-person thing, right? It's not going to be either party is going to be able to kind of provide total total control over the situation. I think you need the consumers to be aware of what they're doing, but you also need the corporations to be kind of faithful and trustworthy in what they're doing with your data. Now, let me give you an example of uh, why I think that this kind of needs to be the case. So, I would say it's fairly often that data of yours without your consent, and maybe without you even being the one to have provided that data, is consumed and used by different corporations, right? And if you guys remember, and you recall that lawsuit I was talking to you about, the Instagram one that is punishable by up to a $500 billion fine, um, where they accidentally collected biometric data in terms of facial recognition data um, on 
different users that never that you know, you're right maybe it wasn't accidentally but you know <laughs> that that didn't consent to their privacy policies right so not only are you only as good as your own security and your own privacy standards but you're only as good as your friends right you know who's going to say that I don't post a photo with you and then Instagram goes ahead and collects your facial recognition data off the photo that I uploaded with or without your consent right maybe I didn't ask but I mean, realistically, it's a photo taken, you know, maybe in public. I don't, I might not need to ask to upload that, right? Um, so there's plenty. Fun fact, we even had one dude. I don't know if you guys remember. We had one dude in uh, one of our computer science classes, right? He was so admin about his privacy, and I respect him for it, right? But, like, when we took, like, class photos and stuff like that, he stood out of the photo. He was like, nope, not getting in that. Yeah. Like, and so yeah. it was, like, interesting. I totally, I totally you know, honestly, I, I didn't see at the time understood why i thought that was like too much mm-hmm. but honestly like looking back on it now i think that's a bold move and i think that's a great move what he did you know i think he a lot of people kind of see it as as a weird move but he's the, one of the few that i i respect because he's taking his progress in his own hands yep right and he's actively trying to mitigate privacy breach outside of his control because that's what really stings the most is when you do all these steps, every information, browsing through all, and then something gets breached that is completely outside of your control, and everything falls apart. True. You know? Yep. All, you know, your, your, your safe is your strongest link, correct. basically. And, and let's think about this, right? You guys know that I'm really into security and, you know, hacking and pen testing and stuff. And let me, let me kind of walk you through why your friends posting things about you um, or even just them having lax privacy could lead to you then being kind of found out, right, or tracked down. So let's say that you have a friend and, uh, you know, he's posting photos with you. I have a friend. Right? And your friend doesn't have the same privacy standards that you have, right? Maybe he has his full name available. He has his general location available, right? He has what school he goes to and all these different things available online, right? Now, if I know that you're friends with him, you know, just – somehow and I'm, and I'm a bad guy looking to find where you are i can use the data i know about him to help find you right so if i know that you guys are friends i can assume that you either know each other because you live near each other your family you went to the same school right you met through some extracurriculars or something but i have a pretty good general idea that you guys might have some links together right so then i can just track down those links i say hey you know maybe i know your first name but i know his full name and the school he went to I can look through sports records, right? I can, you know, kind of check out the generic email patterns. I can look through school web pages. I mean, eventually, by looking through the couple friends you have, you know, kind of on your social medias or people I know that you communicate with, I might be able to kind of track you down regardless of how serious you take your own privacy and data security. So this is why you, like, like we said, you're only as good as your weakest link. Now, and you put that really well. And, you know, if you've got friends on your socials and kind of on your, your video game profiles and you know that they're not taking security seriously, you know, maybe you want to kind of rethink having them on those accounts because who knows, maybe, you know, them being lax could be the reason that um, a hacker finds you or, you know, someone that wants to swat your house finds you, right? So these but are good things to, these to take points, into account. And then to these points, I'm going to bring up something that Nine said also. He said there needs to be some sort of public education around this yeah right yep but mm-hmm. so i guess my question i'm gonna pose this question for you all right uh-huh. what is what's the public education you guys are thinking of because we hear about this term in so many aspects you know personal finance now we're hearing about it here in privacy right 
So I guess my question is, where or how should this be taught, and what like how should consumers or regular people go about it? So I don't know. Nine, let's start with you since you brought up the public education point. I think it should be taught at every stage of anyone's life. I think it should be taught sort of like as health is taught throughout different stages of our life, or has uh, you know you know manners or even things like uh, you know security when you when you work for a company, right? I think it should all be taught at different points of your life. Mm-hmm. If, if you're at school, you know, even at, you know, middle school, teach them the basics. It's never too late to start young, especially with how, how early these kids get access to like the internet. Like I, I seen like it, you know, the, the common trope now is that parents just give their kids iPad just so they don't have to deal, you know, parenting them, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and, and these kids are like, like I seen it firsthand, like five or six and they have, and these kids are not dumb. Like they know how to like really navigate the web. Right, but Some they don't know. Than me. They, but they don't really know the the consequences of what what they're doing, right? Yeah. And it and, and you can't really blame them because no one taught them. Like they're just five. Like they just want Roblox to work on their iPad. <laughs> damn it! So they don't care if they put their username as Robert Smith uh, and his last four digits of his social security uh-huh. number. So like these things should be taught throughout the whole system. I mean, you know, as young, you're not going to teach them the complicated networks of their social security numbers and the the complicated network of the rabbit hole that leads down to it. But, you know, you can start young, be like, hey, don't use your real name, learn usernames, don't tell anyone your real name, your address, where you live, you know, standard things. Some sort of like how you teach kids not to talk to strangers. Mm-hmm. Same thing applies to here. And then as it goes down to the, they get older, it should be taught again and repeated throughout the whole education system. And even outside of the education system, it should be enforced. Mm-hmm. Businesses do this all the mm-hmm. time. They're in training. They teach you what not to say, what to say, because it might harm the public image of their of their overall reputation. Same thing applies. It should be taught that you as an individual have a right to their privacy and you shouldn't affect the, the business image too. This thing should be taught throughout all, especially even at later points of your life mm-hmm. where we see a lot of like, but you said the, the generation gap. These people are not tech savvy or don't know what tools or what's even going on with the terms of privacy and stuff like that. Yeah. So it should be taught continuously, right? This is like a thing that has to be just taught throughout. And as technology evolves and as our the landscape of the internet of the internet itself changes, as we saw the last twenty years, you know, the way we protect ourselves are gonna have to change too. So we have to, you know, evolve with these things. You know, it might be even more difficult later down the line to quote unquote protect our privacy mm-hmm. but it has to be done so as you know just like how education evolves our education for teaching you know education on privacy should evolve with it yeah so it's a give and take system nine, or what are your thoughts i i think nine you're, you're totally right i think a continuing education on this stuff needs to kind of happen um you're talking about in, in your modern education system you've got kids as young as in elementary school getting chromebooks being given usernames and passwords and access to Google Classroom and Hangouts. Which is a real name more than half the time. Yeah. 100%. Well, I mean, when when you're talking about in school, I mean, I think they should be real names, right? You're not going to have fake names for your your school email address, right? But knowing kind of what they should be doing on the internet is important. And being able to teach kids who, like you said, get iPads from, you know, maybe sometimes even before they start elementary school. Right, like what to type, what to take pictures of, what to put out there, right? And then also, how should different companies be responsible for interacting with those kids, right? So, I mean, I'm sure you guys saw 
couple of years ago, Google was or YouTube, Google and YouTube were on big uh, were under fire because they were targeting advertisements to kids, which is against the law. And I can't remember the exact name of the law, but essentially it protects children from having data collected on them, right? So there are certain kind of steps the government takes to protect children online and to protect their privacy um, because they are more susceptible to you know targeted campaigns uh, than I think adults are, even though adults are very susceptible also, like I said before. Um, but also you're right. You know, there's, there is a kind of generation gap right now. Your elderly folk and your older people, you know, they might not have grown up around the internet, you know, growing up around the internet, even if you don't have these kind of, I guess, formal education programs in place, you kind of learn the rules of the road, right? Or at least I did. And I think you guys did. And a lot of, you know, our friends and family did, um, you just understand what to do and you just kind of learned it as you went. You know, the internet was not nearly as safe of a place years ago as it was now, right? Um, and I think that's pretty true. You know, things like encryption and cryptography are now protecting your data. Um, you've got more laws and regulation that protect your data. Um, you know, companies actually have to care now because otherwise they'll get fined. Um, I think there are more resources for self-education also right now, even though formal education on the matter, I think, still needs to be expanded. Um, I'm pretty sure you find that a lot of companies also have security programs, um, where they're educating employees. They have policies and procedures regarding how to interact with data, who has access to data, right? What they can do with it, what they can sell, what they can harvest. It's a, you know, it's becoming a very big deal. And I definitely think that in terms of privacy, uh, especially in the last year or two years, we're moving in the right direction. Um, and I do think you're right though. I think more formal education on the matter is the way to do it. Um, and really any education to everybody would be best. You know, if you're in the school system, it's easier. Um, but for, like I said, the older people that aren't in school anymore, maybe things as simple as like library classes or, you know, maybe webinars or something, or just, you know, make, probably do them in person because a lot of these people that are older might not be as tech savvy. Um, and I mean, it would be really cool if we could see different companies maybe sponsoring these types of events and like sending cybersecurity and privacy experts out, right? and kind of interacting with the public on these topics and showing that they care, right? This would be a really cool kind of maybe initiative that could happen. I mean, maybe I'm rambling now, but I think these are all kind of cool things that could happen and would make uh, data privacy and security much better. Yeah, I'm gonna play yeah. I'm gonna play devil advocate, actually, to both of your guys' points, right? Hit me, hit me. So you guys, you guys both brought up some really great points. So I guess one point I wanna counter here is that I don't know if formal education is the best idea, right? Because as we've seen with, you know, personal finance, that's also not a formal, that's also not the formal education system, right? Do mm -hmm. I think it should be incorporated? Yes. But I think it's also the responsibility of you as a person to continuously go and self-learn, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, as we were having discussion, a thought that popped into my head is, you know, for people these days, you have financial analysts, right? So people yeah. who are not good in personal finance, they hire a financial analyst who manages their finances for them, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I see in the not too distant future, you know, something like a privacy analyst where people who suck managing their social media accounts and stuff like that and sp spill out way too much of their information online, yep. right? Hire these guys to make sure that, hey, they're controlling what you're putting out there, control you know, what you're exposing and maintain your data all around. Right. <laughs> so, so let me, let me, so let's make your point clear, right? You're mm -hmm. arguing that the fact that, uh, the fact that personal finance is not offered as in the in education system, therefore it shouldn't be offered 
privacy education because it should be something that people learn themselves and otherwise you have a loss of market as because well, you know financial analysts will you know eventually cease to exist nine, if it's taught i think i think i think i think what he was saying is that he believes personal finance is taught formally in the education system but people well, no, he said, no, he said, at, no, no, no he said he finance. said no no he said it should be he said it's he he also agrees that it's not right now oh, and he's saying okay, okay. and he's saying that just like personal education uh personal fine uh privacy education is not shouldn't be taught uh, as it. personal okay. finance because it should be something that someone learns on their own and if I you think also there teach it and it should be a baseline understanding of both personal finance even though it's not part of this conversation and privacy right yeah. i think there should be a baseline understanding but i think there needs to be a continuous self-learning exercise that needs to take place right i think you should go and once a year go scrub your social media accounts for anything that you don't want to see public right mm-hmm. i think you should go and take a look at all of this stuff i think that's more of an onus on the person that than it is on a, an education system. You can't baby See, people forever. I sure, know. sure, sure. But uh, but I want I still want to hit that devil advocate point because there probably are people out there that does have that argument, right? Exactly mm-hmm. what you said, mm-hmm. right? Where it shouldn't be taught because just like personal finance, if you teach it too much, then you lose jobs like financial analysts, which can be a possible future in the privacy world with privacy analysts, right? Yeah. I and think, one, one, I think the main devil's advocate point I want to say here is a very small point, but one yeah. devil's advocate point I want to say here is like in the school system, for example, right? Mm-hmm. How, uh, for I believe you brought up that they use your real name in the school systems and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hate that. I personally hate that. I don't like that they use my real name and all this information on the school system for my emails and stuff like that because. To be honest with you, I've worked in the tech departments at my old high schools and college and right, even advised in middle school at some point, right? Mm-hmm. These guys don't know what the hell they're doing, man. Like, they, they have no idea what, wh- how they're handling the data, what's going on with it. It's just sitting there. They'll be like, all right, now I'm even going to worry about it. Whereas me as a hacker can go and steal that data. And guess what? I can go and open student loan accounts, right? Which is actually one of the biggest fraud schemes happening now. Mm-hmm. Right. Student loan fraud is actually one of the highest forms of fraud now because student loan frauds, unlike other loans that you have to get, it's they're not. Right. They're not credit checked. They're not checking anything on those realm on those realms or anything or anything on those records. It's just there. True. But the right? point I want the point I want to reach. Right. When you said earlier. Right. Just to make sure anyone who has this argument is that I the fact that personal finance like you said yourself personal finance should be taught i think it's just a failure of the education system i don't think that's a a point to be made for privacy education itself right the fact that we're not teaching proper financial skills to people right is a failure on the education system's own not 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 essentially a reason why it should be applied to privacy education right well i guess i guess it comes to those questions that you know is it really now I'm not saying yes or no on that realm, but I'm just saying, is it really, is it the responsibility of the education system to teach us that? Or is it the responsibility of you well, as a person to well, go and learn? That? I think, I think it comes down to the definition of an education system. What it defines for you is an education system. For me, an education system defines as something to teach you skills, knowledge that should prepare you for your future, mm-hmm. basic skills and knowledge to prepare you for your future. Some of it might be specific knowledge that maybe re- uh, retained to your career of choice. Maybe it's not, but basic, basic, you know, skills that a human being should know, an adult should know, right? I think, I, so, I think first, 
finance should be definitely taught. Now, I'm not talking about complicated stuff like I should know exactly what my 401k, uh, what's it called, the the consequentials of how they're being invested and stuff like that, or if like what's it called, the complications of option trading and stuff like that. I'm not even going deep into that. I'm talking about how to write a check properly. I'm talking about how to properly open a 401k and how to prop. What are the rules and regulations involved to it? I'm talking about basic stuff that are e- benefits that apply to you when you even start a job. These are things. Yeah, I think the counter with. that point. So, to your point of what I believe an education system is, right? Yeah. I believe an education system is not there to teach me everything I need to know to live my life, right? I think the education system is there for me to teach me the basics, teach me what I need to know, the essentials, mm-hmm. right? But I think the education system should be there to foster critical thinking skills and self-learning skills that you can go and learn anything on your own. See, right? see, that's the thing though. What I you I agree with you, but that's the that's the difference though. I I claim, and I and I and I label the what I just said the skills the financial skills things as essentials. These are things that you will do in your adult life. You know, open a bank account, how to how to check your credit score, what not to do and what to do to increase your credit score. You know, these are these are things that I 100 percent agree, 100 percent believe that are essential. And the point of you're saying that, oh, we shouldn't teach it because it doesn't foster thinking or self-improvement. I don't believe that at all. I think if you're if you're an individual who has the self-passion to learn, you will learn it. That's that's internally. And while the education system definitely has his courses and his, and his, his uh, individuals. Like I'm talking about teachers that really, I'm talking about really good teachers because I've met some great teachers that personally see their students as, uh, you know, like uh, a, a way to really foster that type of thinking right, and really do it well. I think they will, they will get it, even if financial uh, knowledge is taught there. I don't think me learning how to write a check properly or how to manage my debit is going to stop me from furthering pursuit how um, – What's it called? What I what I want to learn or self-learning. And in fact, I think it can even do the opposite effect. Because once I learn the basics, and that happens all the time with any field you're learning to, if once you learn the the basics of the financial world, it might even instill to you for many individuals, wow, this is actually pretty fun, really, really interesting. I didn't know you could do this and that, or mm-hmm. I didn't know how that is. I might want to look deeper into this. Maybe do all right. I think we could get later into the yeah. failure or non-failure of the education system for let's continue with so, the agenda we have. I, right? I do just want to point out one more thing. Um, when it comes to self-learning, um, I don't think that your younger students are able to self-learn things like data privacy um, at a very young age. And I do think data privacy, especially since young, young, young kids have iPads and Internet access, is something that should start being taught as early as elementary school. Um, those kids don't really have the opportunity to self-learn, and I don't really think they should be because they don't really have the kind of senses to determine what's good and what's bad data yet. So I think formal education is probably definitely necessary for them. Maybe as you get older, you can make a better argument for self-learning towards like high mm-hmm. school age kids yes. and older. Um, but I think you need to at least start with formal education because it's important enough when they're that young and don't have that ability. Anyway, um, moving on, I wanted to talk about um, current legislation regarding data privacy. Um, so there's a couple of kind of like laws and regulatory frameworks that stick out to me. Um, one, we've got PCI compliance, um, which is kind of payment card industry compliance, which is kind of a standard of how to store, transmit, use uh, credit card data and credit processing data. Um, We've got HIPAA, which is the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, which kind of sets forth a 
um, set of kind of rules and regulations when it comes to transmitting health data, um, who is able to kind of access and view health-related data at your company, in insurance agencies, with doctors. Um, and those are two of the big ones in the United States. You've also got a European framework, which is pretty much brand new and arguably the strictest kind of privacy and security laws uh, that might exist in the entire world. That's GDPR, which is the General Data Protection Regulation. Um, these are very, very strict. Uh, they have kind of rules across the entire board of data privacy and the Internet. Um, most notably, for example, um, I believe any company that deals with data under GDPR needs to give the consumers of their platform and technology the capability to view and revoke consent for collection of data, but as well as revoke consent for that company to use any data they've ever collected on them. Um, so I know I, like that. I, I know I actually heard a talk um, at one point regarding this, and uh, it's actually a big problem, right? When it comes to uh, compliance with a lot of these rules, think about how hard it could be to tag data forever, and no matter what you do with it, no matter where it goes, you've always got to keep track of whose it is and be able to revoke it at any point in time, right? Let's think about this in an ecosystem like Google or Microsoft, right, where they've got so much data. You know, one, even just having to add a small tag to everything they have to kind of ensure that they know it's yours, that could be problematic, right? One small tag on that much data could be a huge amount of storage they need to add now, uh, but as well as, like, processing changes. And, I mean, you've got to now change almost, like, Everything, right? Think about the table schemas that might need to be changed in databases and whatnot. Um, and anyway, aside from GDPR, uh, there's also the um, the CCPA, uh, which is the California Consumer Protection Act, which kind of seems like it wants to mimic what GDPR is doing uh, in terms of allowing consumers to always kind of view and remove data from websites that they're using. Uh, so this looks like it's a kind of good initiative for better data privacy in uh, the U.S., um, now, I do want your opinions on this. Uh, personally, I think a lot of these might be necessary because, you know, I know we went over this before with, you know, what should uh, the privacy requirements fall on, the consumer or corporations? Um, you know, the consumers, obviously, it's in their best interest to monitor their, their data, and it's in their best interest to make sure what they're doing kind of falls within uh, their own personal bounds of morals on data privacy. But companies, unless there's laws to prevent them from doing certain things, um, they don't really have that same kind of, uh, I guess, outlook, right? So there's no benefit for them to protect your data unless there's risk for them to not protect it, right? So I think these rules and regulations, personally, I think they're almost requirements now because it is a big deal. Um, hackers are a big problem, and you know data needs to be secure. Um, and beyond that, I mean, I think at the end of the day, you are the consumer. You should own your own data. Um, so what do you guys think? You know, I'll start off with this one, right? I like all these laws, right? Yes, it may be a pain for them to actually go and revoke all my data or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But if I'm thinking in terms of, let's say Google is the example, right? Because Google's the prime candidate for my for having tons and tons of data, right, on people, mm -hmm. right? If they're getting data on me, they're collecting data on me, but they have a unique identifier for me. They have my email address, right? Yep. Which I set up for with google and so all my data is tied to that gmail address so if at any point in time i'm like hey google stop using my stuff right they can literally just go in their database and i don't know if they do soft deletes or they do hard deletes 
but they just find my record of all my data and just go bing gone right yep obviously it's this is more on a theoretical level than actually physically doing it right but mm -hmm. that's sort of the gist of it and i'm sure there's com i'm sure companies like google right have restrictions in place that first prevent their own employees from seeing that data but on top of that it also prevents uh what's it called in, I'm pretty sure they have like IDs associated with each and every one of the people they track, of course, right? Sure, which yeah. is, which is billions of people across the world. So regulating to something like a GDPR, although it may be a pain for the company, right? I think it's the most beneficial for the consumer because the consumer at the end of the day can literally go, Hey, no, stop using my data. You know, I don't like, I don't want any of this and call it a day. Right. I do want to point out one more thing. Um, and I think that this is kind of an overlooked piece of the whole, Oh, I own my data. I want to be able to, or I should be able to revoke it. Right. Think about things such as backups, right? Your data mm -hmm. is still in backups, right? Some companies do backups on like tape, tape storage, which isn't meant to really be changed or modified or accessed. Right. They might have petabytes of things on tape storage as backups and, now they've got to go and process your request for data removal in a certain amount of time. You have a time frame. I can't remember exactly how long it is, but there's a time frame now, right? Now, depending on how large their their kind of, I guess, backups are or their data lakes are, it might not even be physically possible for some of these companies to revoke your or to remove your data in the time frame allotted, right? So I think that lawmakers do need to bring experts in on these things to kind of take care of these edge cases where, you know, even if a company has the capability to do it, the expectations might just be too high um, for them to do it. in. Like, but what that's range. telling me, right, right. I like that point. But what that's telling me as the consumer is that, hold up one second. Like, why are you hoarding my data like this? I never told you to back up my data. This is my data. If it gets erased, it gets erased. I don't care. Right. Why are you backing up my data is the question I would pose for that. Because they're backing up their own data. They're doing their own data storages and everything. Yes. But if, why are you backing up my own personal data? Like, well, that's none of your a, business or concern. At, at a baseline, right? You, you gotta, you gotta realize, um, it's all for your convenience, right? If I'm sure it's in the privacy policies that you accepted that they're backing up data, right? It's gotta be there or that it's going to be stored in multiple locations. Um, and I mean, it's re realistically, they're providing you with a service. And if they want to continually provide you that service uninterrupted, they need to have reliable backups, right? So, I mean, I think it's almost like it's a requirement, right, for companies to have these backups um, in order to well, continue then now to it's provide also you a that requirement. service. Well, if it's a requirement to have those backups, there should also be requirements, right, to modify the, that backup data. Of course. Right, so yep. I'm putting in a request for that through GDPR to say, hey, stop using my data. Google or whatever company that's handling my data should or come up with the ability for them to go and be like, all right, delete. Here's the main yeah. database. It's deleted there. And then you go in, in the backup database and delete it there. Or even better, delete it from the main database and they handle all their main deletes from the main database, right? And then they overwrite their backup so that my data is no longer in the backup. So you would still meet those requirements because we all know data is backed up on a daily, nightly hell, even a weekly basis, depending on the data, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't see unrealistic timelines for them to actually remove that type of data, right? So I guess some modifications in corporate strategy, like data strategy, would have to be done. Correct, yeah. But they can easily be met to 
handle that you stuff. See, and but that's on GDPR, and you're, and right? And you're not wrong. But we also got to remember, right, these types of laws are now being pushed in the United States. So whatever affects GDPR, I think within the next five to ten years, will inevitably affect us in the United States also. So these are important questions to ask. Um, and like I said, I think right now, you're totally right, a lot of the stuff is doable. Um, but, you know, these laws are new. They're not old. And a lot of the data that is kind of affected by these laws um, is still new data. You know, I'm talking about yeah. 20, 30 years from now, you might have been using Facebook for 30 years. And now Facebook, you have you want to kind of go say, hey, Facebook, I want to revoke my data. They've got to go through 30 years of stuff to, to pull that, right? With a one-week time frame allotted on them removing that data, right? And I think I, I agree with that, right? Because it's like, look, if a person dies, right, erase their data. Why do you still have their data, right? Because it's a security concern at that point for that person, right? For the person, for their families, or whatever it may be. To be devil's advocate, right? Yeah. I read about this, right? Uh, a big part of the problem is that Facebook doesn't even have the knowledge that someone's dead. Like uh, yep. a part of the problem yes. I read is that they're because they, you know, they sometimes the death is instantaneous or sudden, right? And they haven't thought properly, you know, what if I'm gone, right? Stuff, and they take precautions for it. There's no way for their loved ones mm -hmm. to come into their account and change that they're alive, right? Yeah. And Facebook even addressed this. Like, they made um, memorial certain pages, uh, right? memorial pages and even, like, some privacy settings in your thing where you can label indiv certain individuals that you trust to make these changes in the case that you do perish suddenly. So, you know, Facebook has made mm -hmm. some movements towards this, but... Like you said, part of the problem is not even just to be like devil's advocate. It's not really just a corporation being like, oh, I'm not going to deal with it. Part of it is just because they don't really have the knowledge or the know-how, uh, the, you know, the, yeah. the, the accurate information that this guy is actually gone. And, you know, and to that point, right, that's a valid point. But I think you need also monitor like active usage logs, for example. Like I have a Facebook account I haven't touched in seven years, right? I logged in the other day because my mom was like, oh, they're wishing you for like some things I've done and everything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go and log into the account and Facebook's like, Sorry, the account's not active. And I go, what the hell are you talking about? And it's like, the account wasn't active because I haven't logged in. And I think yeah. the, I think Facebook has it for 90 days or 120 days or something like that. I haven't yeah. logged into that account or even had it set up on my phone. And so it was like, okay, well, so what do I got to do? It, and I had to go through either friends to verify it or an email, which I don't even have access to to verify. It. But Facebook has other mechanisms to let you verify it as well now well, too. Yeah, that's another thing. This, right? So when it comes to you being dead, for example, right? and your kind of account is left over. Let's think about this from a legal standpoint, right? When you entered Facebook, right, um, you kind of consented for Facebook to have your data. Whatever data you have on Facebook right now, unless you've made the request to revoke it, you gave them your consent. Now, you can, you can actually revoke that under certain laws like GDPR or CCPA, right? Under certain yeah. laws. You can go ahead and tell them, hey, I no longer consent to you having it. Get rid of it. And then they have to get rid of it if you qualify for those laws, right? But if they don't, um, I'm sorry, if you never revoke your consent, legally they have no reason to give up that data, at least under the current laws, right? So but if your next of kin you, come guess... up and they want to get rid of it, then I think it becomes their right because they inherit your will, right? So if they want to get rid of it, then you have the right to do that. But I guess, I guess my final question to pose this is, right, at what point, Right, and I think I don't know if GDPR makes this clear. I don't know. You guys can tell me this one, right? At what point is the data the corporations, and at what point is the data mine? I think that's a line that everyone has to figure out to define. I'll so I, I, I think if 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 I had to kind of just 
give you my opinion. I'm, you know, this obviously don't. This I'm not a lawyer on the matter, so it's just my opinion no, on it. Um, I don't even know if they have laws for lawyers to even look into on this matter. To well, be honest, maybe with you. not yet. Maybe eventually. But anyway, I would assume under your stricter laws, when you provide data, you and, and you've agreed to the proper policies for it, right? That data is your data, but you've consented for the company to use it under certain standards preset in your privacy policy agreement, right? And if you revoke that... So is that like renting your data? Maybe. That might be a good way to think Licensing about it. Licensing your data? Yeah, maybe maybe, mm-hmm. maybe you've... That, that, that might be a good way to think about it. Trying out your data? <laughs> a free demo for your free data? Free trial on my data. <laughs> <laughs> Just seeing how it fits my data? <laughs> this data is a little small for me. Do you guys have a large... <laughs> a large quantity of data, perhaps? Yeah, we got big data for you. Yeah, yeah, anyway. Uh, I... But it's a, it's a tough question. All right, any, anyway, the last the last thing I did want to touch on really quick, we'll take you know one or two minutes on this. Are privacy policy agreements in terms of service agreements good enough to dictate um, what data you've agreed for companies to take, right? Because personally, nobody ever reads those things. You just hit accept. Everyone knows it. The government knows it. Right, That's like, not true. How can how can it I be read possible? How can it really be possible nice? that something yes. that nobody mm-hmm. in the world reads is legally binding? Right, like that doesn't make sense. You know, it's funny. Start about that one. There, you know, if you guys heard about this, but there was one case where there was a small company had a terms of services, right? Yep. And if one person actually read it, and in the terms of services it said, if you read this part, you're entitled to three hundred dollars. So he called them, and he actually got three hundred dollars. <laughs> And it took like a couple of years for someone to actually claim that three hundred dollars. I've only met one person in my life who's actually read the terms and service agreements of everything, right? Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. one of our professors from college. Yep. All right. He was the only one, and he was the only professor also who read those terms and service agreements, right? So it brings up an interesting point. Do I think it's good enough? Hell no. Like no. I can barely read my emails completely in the morning. I don't read text messages, so it's like yeah, like. I don't read. Yeah, for for definitely his experience with not reading text messages. Uh, let, me, let us tell you. Uh, he's an expert. But, we say. <laughs> but no, there's. It's definitely not enough. And it's interesting that we you bring up this question because I found a website the other day and I think I sent it to you guys. It's called like terms of service. Terms of service didn't read. Yeah. And it actually summarizes the terms of services like every major website for you and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So it's like they had so Apple on there, Microsoft on there, Google on there. And I thought that was amazing. Why? Because no one in hell is going to sit through a 95-page document that no, says privacy see, policy no in terms exactly. of service. You know, right? I, I think it should what? be very simple. Um, you know, maybe this isn't always possible, but I think for the most part, companies can manage something like this. Maybe just give a quick bullet list of essentially what they'll be, what type of data they're going to be collecting, right? Um, the biggest things. Maybe, maybe they have to kind of provide a certain percentage of the data they're collecting in, in a summary on the front page, right? In four to five sentences, in size 14 font, not size eight, right? And then bam, maybe if you can make it a couple sentences long, a paragraph, people would actually care enough to read it and at least get a gist of what they're accepting, right? Yeah. I don't think it needs to all be laid out. I don't need to understand absolutely everything in the agreement. But so long as you give me a summary of generally what you're doing and, I mean, you know, there'd have to be some type of laws that would require them to make that summary kind of like, I would say, good enough and like faithful and trustworthy. Uh, not that they're kind of evading some of the stuff that you're doing. Um, 
but they're definitely evading. Like... So, anyway, anyway, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself with these, but I, I mean, I think those are simple things that companies can do to kind of just make their consumers understand more in terms of what they're kind of agreeing to. Yeah, and to you know, to finish it all real quick, right? You know, we talk about privacy, we talk about how we should be responsible consumers. I just, you know, want to want to leave off with what uh what two said, right? There are there are tools that you can use that actually make the whole privacy management thing easy. Like one he just said was the term services didn't read. I highly recommend it's uh, it's at tosdr.org, right? Great uh, tool to use for someone who you know. Trust me, no one's gonna read all the terms of services. Get out of here, right? Or any, uh, or any, right? So <laughs> there, there are tools out there. And another one I want to also point out that's been I've been used, I used for years is Have I Been Pwned, right? Mm. Great tool. And I'm honestly really surprised how little people know about this tool. It's simply you put in your email, and it tells you every single privacy breach that is associated with that email. Put it in there, you know, cross your fingers, and you know, pray that you don't have it been. Cross and your fingers. I've had Yahoo emails for years, bro. I'm already I, screwed. You're, you're you're screwed. But let's hope <laughs> that the average consumer isn't. And like this yep. is these are these are just one of the many tools that you should be aware of. Yep. You know, tell your friends, tell your families. Right. The privacy game, as we said, is a long, hard task to maintain. But there are tools, just like with any part of aspect of life, to make your life easier. And I think you know, it's only our job also to you know signal these things and highlight them for everyone. Yep. Anyway, guys, we are um, probably a little bit over time now. But anyway, uh, we Price hope you enjoyed. Topic. Yeah, it was a big topic. There's a lot to go through here. Um, but let's let not you guys have feedback. Yeah, yeah, give us some feedback. Um, but that is it. We are out of time, and we will see you on TechCast Friday. Bye bye. Bye guys. Thank you. Bye guys. Take care.